Thanks for tuning in to the Goop Podcast. Today's episode is made possible by our friends at Teslar Watches. The tech team at Goop is always scouting out the latest and greatest productivity tools, and they recently tested out the newest creation by Timex, the Teslar Watch. It contains a chip that syncs up to the battery and is designed to mimic Earth's natural frequency. This kind of technology is intended to help keep the body's own electromagnetic field in balance. To learn more about the Teslar Watch and Timex's new innovative technology, head to teslarwatches.com. Enter code GOOP20 for 20% off. That's code GOOP20. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Today's guest is Dr. Bill Bankston. Dr. Bill Bankston is a scientist, the creator of the Bankston Energy Healing Method, the author of The Energy Cure, and the audiobook Hands-On Healing. Dr. Bengston has been researching hands-on healing for several decades, focused on mice and cancer. He recently joined us at our last Goop event, and he was so fascinating, I had to have him back on the podcast immediately. Today, Dr. Bengston is challenging what we think we know about our abilities to heal. He takes us through his research, his technique, which he actually calls a gimmick, which I kind of love, which resulted in the first successful full cure of transplanted mammary cancer in mice, and he tells us what that could mean for healing ourselves. He answers the big questions, does hands-on healing really work, and then can any of us learn how to do it? If you want to heal and they give you the ability to get what you want, who owes who? You know, that's a mutual exploitation relationship. That's perfect. Let's get to my conversation with Dr. Bill Bankston. So for people who are unfamiliar with your, the method that you, do you call it a method? Like the method you stumbled into? Can you explain the backstory and sort of how you arrived where you are? Sure. How many hours do I have? (laughs) (laughs) A very long time ago, I ran into someone who alleged to be a psychic. And I, being a skeptic, decided to design some studies to show him that his claims are exaggerated. And they weren't. I simply couldn't make his effects go away. And he was doing things like uh, psychometry, token object reading and such. And that spontaneously evolved into an allegation that when he was doing a reading on somebody, they were getting physically better. And so he suddenly or gradually, depending on who noticed what, evolved into a healer. And I was actually the first person he ever put his hands on in order to do uh, healing 
Uh, I had a chronic bad back in pain, essentially constant pain for years. Had to give up even a swimming scholarship in college. And this guy came along, put his hands on my back, and within not too many minutes, uh, it was the last back pain I ever had. And so this became seriously curious to me. What do I do with this? Is this uh, hysterical suppression of symptoms? I mean, I know all the counter hypotheses. People will say, you got a placebo, you got, well, the bottom line is that's okay with me. I, I've been without a pain for 40 years. People tell me I am a pain, but, but it's, a slightly <laughs> different, uh, it's a slightly different issue. And, and so uh, I, I dragged this, this poor guy around uh, and said, well, put your hands here and put your hands there and see what happens. And we found some interesting phenomena, some interesting, at least anecdotal observation, and that was that some things uh, did not respond at all, in particular benign growths. Uh, so if you had a wart, for example, you could treat it all day and all night and nothing would happen. You know, and I'm, I'm told any idiot can do warts, but this idiot can't. But malignant growths responded immediately. And you could almost tell whether something was malignant or benign by whether or not it responded. And so malignancies became kind of like a category to be treated. And, and so we went around and I watched a couple hundred people get fixed. Uh, and then I said, uh, you know, what, what in heaven's name is going on? And how do we reproduce this? We worked out a method which essentially he claimed and I was going to test would replicate what he was able to do. And that became the healing method that I haven't named, but it, it, it's called rapid image cycling. And it's a particularly simple thing to do. It takes a lot of practice uh, in the sense that it's you're doing very, very rapid imaging. It's hard for people to do that. And, and as in most skills, you start out paying attention to it, and, and then you stumble through it. I mean, anything you do that you're paying attention to, you're not doing well. Mm -hmm. The goal in almost any skill is to transition from being mindful to mindless, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, the, the thing becomes second nature. It's, and so the, the rapid imaging technique, you got to be mindful for a little bit. You got to practice. It's not it's not something you'd normally do, and then and then it just recedes to the background. And this is is I mean to me it's second nature. I I, I can't imagine not doing it. Yeah. So I want to talk about ramp, rapid image cycling and the images in a minute. But will you take us through maybe and we'll talk about it in ten minutes? Because will you take us through how you sort of brought this to the lab with mice and what you were able to do yourself with your yeah, hands? Yeah, So the, I w watched a couple hundred people report, you know, serious physical changes. And, and I was growing increasingly frustrated uh, because I could never unravel this. I, I don't have the brain power to do clinical analysis. Uh, someone comes in and they have this particular cancer, that particular cancer, and we do whatever we do and give a number of treatments and then the cancer goes away. I mean, and I don't mean this to be cynical, but so what? The cancer went away. They might be happy. They may not be happy, but I don't know what did it. And that's what I mean by not having the clinical juice to, to unravel this. So people take vitamins, people think positively, they think negatively, it's vitamin C, they ate a grapefruit, they missed the grapefruit, I mean, who knows? And so I want, I'm, I'm kind of a simpler person than that, I wanted to take it into a laboratory and test this thing under very rigorous conditions. And, and so we took a, a mouse model a mammary cancer uh, that has been ex studied extensively in literally over 2,000 publications on this mouse model and has 100% death within a month. 
Everybody knows, anybody in oncology knows what it is, how to do it, what it means, how to interpret it, and everything else. And I simply introduce a simple single variable. What happens if you put your hands around a cage of mice and do rapid image cycling when everything else about the mice is known? And it turns out that the mice are cured of cancer. And, and that, that became reasonably interesting because this was not now vitamin C. This was everything is known about this, and this is really a cure. It's not a remission. Uh, they're cured, and they're cured for life. And it's more than they're cured for life. They're immune to future injections of the cancer. So something reasonably, assuredly, has been stimulated in the immune system. And I, I first read about your work in Joe Blakeway's book, and it's interesting, someone on our team who is a, a Reiki master was already sort of on t- was following you, and I think she was planning on coming to one of your workshops, but I had never heard of it. And Jill talks about sort of how also as part of it in, in the process of healing these mice, like they, they got worse, right? Yeah. They're, well, they looked ugly. Yeah. Healing isn't for the faint of heart. It doesn't, it certainly doesn't go the way I plan it to go. Uh, I don't, it's not uh, mind over matter or mind over disease in any way. Healing is always a surprise and the route to get from point A to point B. I can never predict on an individual case. But in, in an aggregate case with the mice, we thought uh, what happened was uh, I thought way back then that, that healing would be something analogous to give, giving a mouse radiation. You know, so you, the mouse has cancer and you zap it, you know, zzz, zzz, kind of a thing, and, and that would prevent the tumor from growing. And I thought if we got to it early enough, we could prevent the tumor from growing and then we could see you know, this, that, and the other thing. That never happened. The tumors always, always, always grow. Uh, and they grow to apparently ugly-looking size, and they ulcerate, and all sorts of ugly things are happening, and we can test it in all those stages. The mice have cancer. These are viable cancer cells going on. And then suddenly the thing collapses. Mm. And if, if I had my way... I would have. I tried to cancel the experiment because I said, you know, let's let's be bound by the data. It's not working. The tumors are growing, and and look at these ulcerations and all this kind of stuff. What we didn't know then is that the, these are the stages of being cured. So they had to get through it to get they over it. They had to get through it. No, and no matter, it turns out, no matter how early we get to it, they grow the same way and they go through the same stages. So I know once I see a certain thing on the surface of a tumor, I know the next thing that's going to happen. I can't predict how long it's going to take on any individual mouse. Mm. But in the aggregate, you know, I have a sense, uh, you know, at, the, at this point. And then what I thought was also fascinating is at the beginning, it wasn't controlled in the sense that the control mice were in the same lab in a different room. Yeah. And they also recovered. They also get cured, yep. So yeah. you're creating like a field, a resonant field, or do you know what? I, I, I no heavens no. I I don't know what. I can't. I don't know when or how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I know. The wonderful thing that since I've been doing this for 105 years is that <laughs> I, every year I know less. Uh, mm. So I'm in a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful position that everything I believed is wrong, and there's no greater gift of relax. You're wrong about everything. Yeah. And the way I approach anyone about anything, no matter how authoritative they seem to be, is I assume my default position, they, me, and everybody, were wrong. And so relax and don't spend all your time defending beliefs. 
So it, yeah. the world's more interesting than that. You know, you don't need to you don't need to fight for it like like that. Everybody's beliefs are wrong. Relax. So, though I know the way that Jill Blakeway moves energy is, and and this goes back to rapid. She doesn't do rapid cycling, but she sort of has to distract her ego. The more you focus on this idea of healing someone, the less effective you are. And she feels personally like she can feel sort of energy moving down her spine. And into the and I've been I've worked with her. I can it's I think energy work is very powerful. But you think this is not energy work? No. So you're not sort of operating as a channel, and we don't. Oh, I might be a, an information channel. I just don't think it's energy, and energy diminishes with distance. Uh, healing, among my findings, is is I I mean I have no question about this anymore. Healing it doesn't show any respect for distance. Mm-hmm. So whether you're two, and I've replicated this with mice, you know, so whenever I say something, I've got at least two independent replications in two independent labs before I'll say something out loud. It makes no difference whether the mice are two inches away or 2,000 miles away. There's no energy that you know of or I know of. The, the term energy doesn't make any sense. Mm. So what is it? What do you think it is? <laughs> oh, it's really simple. <laughs> And, and it's pretty obvious what it is. It's just not obvious yet to me. <laughs> In hindsight, we'll wonder how we couldn't have seen this. Yeah. And do you think, so it's just, I mean, that makes sense to me as much as it doesn't make any sense at all. But as sort of a conduit, and, and your point is like you can teach, any, anyone can learn how to do this. It's not your... Well, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know if anyone can do it. I know that skeptics can do it. Mm. If I were the only one able to cure cancerous mice, then it wouldn't be particularly interesting. You know, then I'd be a freak. I'm not a healer. You know, I can barely spell healing. And, and so right away, I, I set about to, to replicate this with people who thought I was crazy. You know, th- this doesn't make any sense. So I got faculty members who said, come on, really? And I had students who had, no, you know, they can't spell healing either. And they, they actually thought I was giving a study in gullibility uh, when, when we reproduced this the first time. It's like, what, what, you know, what's Bankston really up to? Because it can't be your, what he says. You know, this is nuts. And turns out, so far, I can't find any skeptic who can't heal. Mm. The, and and this, this may be, it, it might be related to belief because they don't have any. Yeah. And they can relax. Uh, so believers, actually believers scare me because I've actually met people who believe their beliefs. And <laughs> that, that's, that's not my favorite place to be because I know they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what the belief is. So, okay. Let's say that you're you're a conduit or you're, as you said, information or information packets. Is what's happening, and I guess we're just guessing here, so let's guess for a minute, that the body is, like, getting an information packet to, like, recalibrate, like, sort of reorganize itself? Well, that I, can, that I can talk about a little bit. And, again, I've studied this. I can tell you if you have a human that a human patient and a human treater, at least in my system, will essentially go into some sort of a resonant bond. Mm -hmm. And it depends what toys you have to measure what kind of bonds. The the stuff that we have pretty readily, we readily have access to are particular brains. So we have this brain bias. And and so we've got toys to play with brains. So I've done EEG work uh, and looked at what happens between spatially separate people, healer and healee. I've, I've done functional MRI work, looking at what happens and where in the brain, you know, this goes on and that goes on. And I can say with reasonable certainty, 
and again, assuming I'm probably wrong anyway, that brains will go into something that's akin to a phase lock. There's so many cross-correlations which occur in, in the healer's brain that exactly go into the resonance of the healer's brain. Something's happening between spatially separate, whether it's mouse, people, you know, whatever it might be. There are connections, and I, I don't know what other connections there might be. I mean, for all I know, the pancreas gets connected. You know, the, the fascia gets connected. We, I just have toys that'll measure brains, and so I, I measure brains. But if I measured spleens, we might see some sort of resonance there too. But Interesting. So if there's like a re- if you have a healthy spleen and I have spleen cancer, yeah. then somehow your, my, my— We can watch it go together. We would watch them become yeah. resonant, yeah. and my spleen might model itself might model itself after your healthy spleen. Well, it actually turns out the more uh, the higher probability is that the healer's spleen lo- starts to look wonky. Now that's not taking on something, but there's there's a resonant, and, and I think this is where the information transfer is going on. That's, that's a little bit speculative. That uh, is so sci-fi. Yeah, but but it turns out it turns out. Yeah, I'm 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 past sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm I actually have data, and and so our 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 imaginations don't even remotely come close to what the data actually show. So why um, do you think that the rapid cycling, like, why do you, is that to create this field of resonance, or is it enough to come into? Is it that it's a contagion? I, I, I don't know. It? I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know how it works, but I, I tested that too, uh, and and so the question would be. Again, introducing or taking out a single variable, if we have, and at this point I have, I think, 18 mice experiments, you know, so this isn't casual. It, it, if you had, take, if we know that a particular way of treating will produce a particular outcome in the mice, and then we take out something, so what happens if we take out the rapid image cycling? Now, I can't imagine why rapid image cycling would matter in any way, shape, or form. You know, to be honest, the mice died. Mm-hmm. You know, so something key is going on there with the with the rapid image cycling. That 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 doesn't mean it's true. It just means it's a it's a gimmick. It's a technique. It's a something that works. Yeah, doesn't mean it can't be made better. But but it, it, if you take it out, you know, it really matters. And the folks that I mean, I've trained a whole bunch of people who've been healers for you know decades and decades. Something changes and shifts when they do the rapid image cycling. And they, it, it follows the same pattern. They all become left-handed. They're, as far as I know, there's no e- exceptions from that. I mean, there may be people trying to pretend they're still right-handed, but they, you become left-handed. You lose the ability to do warts. And I, you know, I'm told any idiot, you go up to a war, wart and you go, boo, you know, and it goes away. Well, we can smack it and boo it all day, but if you're cycling, the wart will send you a mocking note saying, you know, is that all you got? Because mm-hmm. we're not doing anything. If you got a malignancy, you know, we're going to win. So, okay, rapid image cycling is having worked, done a little a, a mini workshop with you, seems to be profound. In a nutshell, what is rapid image cycling? Rapid image cycling is making a list of selfish wants, and they can be conditions, physical conditions, experiences, anything you want, that are concrete and would be able to be visualized. So you have an image of a fancy car where you now don't have a fancy car. The couple things are going on here. One, you want it, and so it's selfish. Otherwise, you don't put it on a list. Two, you recognize when you get it, and when you get it, you take it off the list. 
because the list does not now exist. Nothing on the list exists. You don't put something on there for fear of losing it. You don't put anything like that. You never involve when or how on a list. You only involve what. So I've got 20 or so what's recognizable, and the list is generally in pencil because it's modified all the time. You will, as you go through the list, you're going to get the stuff on the list. If you get the stuff on the list, you got to take it off your list because it's always a future thing that does not now exist. When you, when you first learn how to do it and you're, you're, we're going through exercises and such, I'm trying to get people to go faster and faster. And what happens is you being control freaks, you think that if you pay attention to something, I'm better at it than if I don't pay attention. And I think, of course, the exact opposite. Put it into the system and let go. Because if you want to do a mindful walking exercise, you're doing it to experience it, but it's not helping you walk. If you mindfully cycle, it's not helping you cycle. If you mindfully heal, it's not helping you heal. So you create the image, you create the list. It all needs to be represented in images. And then it's essentially you're watching the slideshow until you are watching it so fast it's imperceptible. Perfect. The fact that essentially it requires making a list of 20 things that you want, like just sort of the, the basis of selfishness, right? These no. aren't like, it's not world peace, it's not... No, I think, I think world peace, cycling for world peace would actually be unethical. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, the, I don't mean to be cynical here. No, actually that's wrong. I, I mean to be cynical here, uh, that the species is reasonably self-destructive. Yeah. And to impose peace on a warlike species, I find to be unethical. Weird. That's a whole different conversation. Interesting. Yeah. But for the purposes of this, it's taking things like Enermaz H-Bag and Tesla, I don't even know the models of Tesla. It's like things like that, right? Like making a list of 20, some things that can do with your own personal health, so, something not can, involving anyone else. Yeah. And it, it's all selfish and, and observable. Yeah. And, and this is a, a particular pet peeve of mine that people ask or wish for things. I mean, I think it's just as a mental exercise feeling sorry for themselves. Uh, they, you know, poor me, I'm not happy enough, I'm not healthy enough, I'm not this. And, and to, to say you're happy or healthy or I want to be happy or healthy is, is, has no content whatsoever. Yeah. Because you can never recognize it. But if you if you're, 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 you're really want a Tesla, if you have a Tesla, you know you have a Tesla. You don't know whether you're happy because there's nothing that's, that's stable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a reasonably happy person. Some would say I'm the village idiot but because but, I'm, ha- I'm happy all the time. But every moment, you know, I don't, have, I don't even think about happiness. Right. And, and so what would it be and how would I recognize it? And, the sa- you know, the same is true of, of health. What does it mean to be healthy? You know, I don't know. Yeah. So you create this list, which is very hard, of 20 things and the associated image. And then you essentially, and I know you have online courses that train people on how to do this, but you start rapidly cycling through those images in your brain and everyone's rapid cycling image list is different and highly specific. Mm -hmm. And then you keep refining it as you get the things that you want. So there's like a manifestation experience that's part of this too. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I had, hadn't heard of the word manifestation, but when I heard it, yeah, that, that kind of fits. Uh, yeah. You're not trying to manifest. This is really a mechanical process. So I start out, and I've got 20 images. 20 is not sacred. Record's 94. 
you got 20 images and, and you're going through them very, very, almost unimaginably quickly. So if you're doing 100 images a second, that would be painfully slow to me. Wow. It would be hard for me to, to go down to that. When I, when I teach a workshop, I get agitated because it, I'm trying to get them to cycle faster, but the speed that they cycle is, is you got to pay too much attention. You know, it's hard to do. It'd be least like, be like mindful walking. You know, anybody who's mindfully walking looks like an idiot. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not an efficient way to walk. You want mindless walking. Uh, I am a mindless healer and a mindless cycler. So if I had a cage of mice in front of me right now, it'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, you, you could know, talk what, to what me. What am I going to do? You yeah. know, is my wonderful presence somehow going to fix the mice? I mean, give me a break. <laughs> so you just, people have to train, train, train. They train, yeah. Until, and what, do you have an idea of what the, the line is before they become effective? No. No? No, I don't. I can't, and, and I, I, I don't, I mean, I've done a lot of brain work trying to figure out what happens and when it happens and, and you know, what are the markers and such. But it turns out there's not even an, a location in the brain that's associated with cycling. Mm. Yet it, the brain itself globally turns on and off when you turn the cycling on and off. So I can see that you're cycling, but I can't ascribe it to a particular bundle of neurons. It floats. So sometimes it's in the right parietal lobe, and then it drifts over, and then it does this, and then it does that. I can tell you something that, that's, that's reasonably interesting, and that is that people's observations about healers have been mistaken in the sense that if you're, people who are drawn to healing tend to be sensitive types and they, they experience somatic things and they, uh, all, all of this. And, and so they're drawn to healing. And then when they do healing and they put their hands in a particular way and, you know, all these exercises that people have, they feel this and they get all excited and they flop on the floor and they do, you know, they do whatever they're doing. And they're sensitive. And what we've done is we've, we've screwed up the causal sequence. We think, therefore, that healing has something to do with sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't. And, and I'm not speculating here. I'm, you know, again, I can data your brains out. What happens is your brain turns on automatically if there's a healing need present, mm -hmm. whether you feel it or not. So on a continuum of extremely sensitive types to insensitive types, we, we glean, glong on to the sensitive types and go, oh, look, that's a model on what to do because they're feeling this. So I give you a cage of cancerous mice and you get all excited and you're feeling this and the, I'm feeling this flow and I'm feeling this one. And, and then you got other people who feel nothing. Well, the people who feel nothing do heal just as well. Mm -hmm. And so I plop their brains into functional MRIs and see what happens. And we did, for example, a double-blind study where we had pictures and hair samples of cancerous animals uh, that we got from a, a veterinarian. And we're talking goats, horses, sheep, you know, I mean, a bunch of cats and dogs. And we randomized this. So we have envelopes where there's a picture and a hair sample of a needy animal. And then there are others which they're just envelopes and they have weight in there to, to match the same weight. Randomize that and we stick it to people whether they're sensitive or not, into a functional MRI, and they put their hands out, and you drop these envelopes in, if there's a need in the envelope, their brain turns on. Hmm. The brain of a sensitive turns on the same way as the brain of an insensitive. Interesting. But the insensitive doesn't sense it. And the healing happens anyway. And so we've confused that you matter. Hmm. 
And I, of course, as the bearer of bad news always, you just don't matter. We'll get back to Bill Bankston in just a second. When we think of wellness, our minds usually go to yoga classes, good sleep routines, and meditation. Technology gets a bad rap, but the right kind, when used correctly, can enhance both our productivity and our well-being. One cool innovation at the intersection of wellness, technology, and fashion is the new Tesla watch designed by the team at Timex. It uses a special technology in a turbo chip that is designed to match the Earth's natural frequency. The goal? To hopefully help keep the body's own electromagnetic field in balance. There are Tesla styles for both men and women, which you can find in their online shop. To learn more about wearable wellness and Tesla technology, head to teslarwatches.com. Get 20% off using code GOOP20. That's GOOP20. A little while back on the Goop podcast, I sat down with Dr. Robin Burzen, an incredibly wise functional medicine practitioner. We talked about why she believes the scope of our healthcare system is dated and how we can bridge the gap between wellness and medicine. Many years ago, when Robin realized our current healthcare system was due for a major upgrade, she created Parsley Health. Parsley Health combines the best of modern medicine with a functional, holistic approach. Their mission is to get to the root cause of illness instead of just treating the symptoms and to ultimately help people optimize their well-being and to ultimately help people optimize their well-being. When you sign up with Parsley Health, you can expect hour-long doctor's appointments, advanced diagnostic testing that looks at everything from your hormones to your gut to your microbiome. Their doctors work with you to create a personalized health plan that factors in nutrition, fitness, sleep, and supplementation. You're also paired with a health coach to help support you and keep you accountable when you need it. A Parsley Health membership includes five doctor visits as well as five health coach visits per year. And now their online care program, called Complete Care Anywhere, allows you to access your doctor and personal health coach from home. As a recent member of Parsley Health, I love how easy the site is to navigate. And not only that, but I really appreciate having access to thorough health care from home. Right now, Parsley Health is offering our listeners an exclusive offer of $150 off a year-long membership. Just go to parsleyhealth.com and enter code GOOP. That's P-A-R-S-L-E-Y health.com. And use code GOOP to get $150 off a year-long membership. Back to my chat with Dr. Bill Bankston. So are you like a walking, like when you go to, like you go to a restaurant, your brain automatically senses that amidst the 200 people that you're dining with, there's a healing need. And so you're... No. No? That, that, that would be profoundly unethical. To help help but, those those people in the restaurant, but I mean, you I, wouldn't even know, right? I wouldn't know, and I, I understand where you're coming from. I, when you're if, if you're if you're part of my experiment and I'm sticking your head in a functional MRI, or I'm hooking you up to geeky things, you're doing something for the purpose of doing something. Yeah. You're, 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 you've given permission. You want to do this. And, and so I give you a cage of mice. You don't have to intend on, on helping the mice by the virtue of the fact that you're accepting a cage. You don't need to go past that. 
So the people that I've stuck in an MRI and the people I've stuck, you know, to electrodes and things like that, they're already taking. So this, this is a very different scenario than walking down this in, into a restaurant and, you know, the oldest need is, is all over the place. I suspect, and I've met these folks, I'm not particularly sensitive, but I've met people who are so sensitive, I'll call them pathological sensitives, I don't know how to get through the day. You know, they're seeing colors and whirly things and their big sensations of this, that, and the other thing. And they're going, they're they're the ones in danger walking into a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And the danger would be, the unethical danger, I think, would be, out of your great compassion, let's fix everybody. I mean, by what right do you have to fix somebody? Mm. You know, I mean, it has to come from them, and they have the right to say no. And the most likely scenario I've ever seen from healing is anger. Mm. People don't want to be healed. They want to want to be healed. Right. They yeah. don't want to be actually healed. What happens if some schmuck comes along, you know, this mouse fondler, and comes along and, and fixes them? That's not a good place to be. Right. I'm just curious about, like, the conscious awareness of it versus the unconscious, like what you're saying. If you're constantly cycling and, and there's an unconscious need, whether, I guess you wouldn't know because you're not in an fMRI, but whether it's just extending out. Yeah, I, I, w- I would certainly hope not, you yeah. know, that, that it, it extends out. Unless you have a bond where, you know, th- th- this is um, something that everybody agrees is a good thing, you know. Yeah. So if I, if I take on a mouse, which is the same as taking on a human patient, I, I mean, uh, taking on a cell culture, taking on whatever, I'm saying I'm open to that. Yeah. So in essence, I think what healing is, is not the problem of the healer. I think it's the problem of the healee. And the issue is take what you need. Now, I don't know why I can't say take what you need to a wart. <laughs> you know, so, again, I can't hold this intellectually together. Um, but and some things work and some things don't, don't seem to work so much. And I, I, I think one of the most interesting areas that have been completely untouched is comparative healing. So when I, you know, I make fun of me for not being able to do a wart, but there's a, there's a lesson to be learned from this because... The, the people who, you know, are wart specialists who learn how to cycle no longer can do warts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so something's going on here that's not casual. And, and so if we, if we just put different conditions along a uh, horizontal continuum rather than vertical, and we say warts, cancer, and, you know, not one's big, you know, one's little, but just warts, cancer, how come mine does this but not that, yet some other technique does that but not this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so something real is going on that's not that's worth looking into, and I think people have homogenized healing, and they took healer as if that's that fits as a generic, and, and I I don't right. think it fits at all. So in the so I know you've studied cancer, but do you think that this then has application to other types of disease? Like oh sure yeah yeah uh, so we I mean we there's a whole slew of things that we've treated. And a whole slew of things that we haven't been particularly successful with, like, like the warts. And, and you, you need to understand that cycling has nothing to do with healing. Mm-hmm. You can use the image, the images for healing images, but cycling itself is just a way of life. Yeah. And if you want to call it manifestation, if you want to call it this, you want to call it that, it, I mean, it's, it simply is something to do. If someone didn't want to heal, I would say... Probably a good decision, but if somebody didn't want to heal, I'd, re- I'd absolutely recommend cycling. Someone who's cycling, I wouldn't recommend healing. Heal if you need to or want to. 
Okay, so why are you not a household name? Like, why isn't every oncologist, like, rushing to... Why? Why would they? Because they don't, they wouldn't maybe give better prognosis, get a better prognosis for their patients? Well, I, I mean, I've, I've given talks in departments of oncology uh, in medical schools. So I, I've spoken to more than 75 oncologists at a pop. And they try to cut my knees out, you know, for a few hours looking for a methodological flaw. And I'm not defensive about that because if I screwed up, show me where I did. I'm fine. Again, my beliefs are wrong anyway. And, and, and so, so, again, I'm, I'm the most relaxed person in the room. I'm not threatened by a question or you know, something like that. And, and after trying to cut my knees out for a few hours, I, I generally get a standing ovation. But then everybody leaves because what, what possible good would it be? I've taught, for example, physicians in Ontario, Quebec, and they tell me they're not allowed to use this technique. They'd lose their license. Why? Uh, because you're not allowed to cure. Really? Yeah, you can augment, you can help, you can nudge, you can improve, you can take the edge off, but you don't go around curing. And so some physicians, frankly, have snuck around curing patients. But they, they want it under the table because uh, that's not the model. Is this something that, because I can imagine, let's say your child has brain cancer, right? Yeah. Terrifying yeah. diagnosis. That you would want to rush to all treatment available. Yeah. Is this something that works in conjunction? Does it need to be unadulterated cancer? Does this work in conjunction with other factors? Or like if you've done chemo. Yeah. Well, it, the could, you know, presupposes that I know more than I do. Uh, so I, my, my default position is always try and let's find out what happens. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a, if anybody has a concretized set of rules, you know you need to turn around and run. I can tell you what has happened in the past. But I, I've, I've, any clinical failure that I'm aware of in cancer was combined with killing. Got it. So this is, if someone's doing chemo or has tried chemo unsuccessfully, then healing is not, anecdotally, is not as effective as working on something. That, that would be my best guess. Yeah. To take a pure fill-in-the-blank mouse person, whatever, and just heal is certainly easier than killing and then trying to, to fix the killing and then and then and then. You know, so it, it becomes harder. Now, having said that, I'm, I may be jaded by my own experience, but I, I have certainly a number of, of former students who I've trained in this who I ship, you know, humans to, to fix, and they, they tell me I'm a loser, which is, you know, fine with me, but they say, you're a loser. I, I can do it even if they've had chemotherapy or radiation. So I'm not particularly confident about me, but other folks allege, but I don't have the medical records that I, you know, as a data freak, I can't tell you for sure, you know, exactly what's happened. I can tell you that for those people, I mean, frankly, those people who turn down conventional treatment, they're either the bravest or the dumbest people I've ever met. You yeah. Know, but they get cured. Right. It takes a major leap of faith. Oh, big time. Big say. time. I don't know what I'd do, you know, yeah. and I'm not sitting here judging what somebody else would do. And, and I certainly understand the kitchen sink approach uh, from, a, from an emotional point of view. I just don't think it's a good approach. Mm -hmm. Pick a therapy and go for it. If you want to kill, go, go for it. You know, and I'm not putting it down. Yeah. Kill. And I, I'll, to say it crudely, and it sounds facetious, but I don't mean it to be facetious at all, I don't know that healing and killing is a good combination. Mm. 
So the purpose of killing is to kill. And we have in incredibly good tools to kill. And if you go the route of killing, but if you go the route of healing, the purpose of healing, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be stupid about it, is to heal. And what that process is of healing, I don't know. I, I, I had uh, to give you a mind bender uh, that I don't know what to do with this. I, I, I was giving a talk at the University of Washington. We're starting up this, that, and the other thing. And I was one of the speakers asked to come and present data to a group of, of researchers and donors and, and all that stuff. And I was going along with some, I'm not going to give her name, but some researcher in alternative healing and such at MIT. And she was familiar with my work. This goes to, you know, who knows about my stuff? Usually geeks, <laughs> <laughs> not normal folk, you know? So my, my geek reputation is reasonably wide. My public persona, you know, no. I mean, because I'm not, not really seeking that. But this lady, I was, I was complaining about no matter what we do with mice, no matter when we get to them, they always develop tumors. And she looks at me like I'm the village idiot, which is, of course, entirely possible. But she looks at me like I'm the village idiot. And she said, of course you grow tumors. Tumors are therapeutic. Mm. What the tumor has is the solution. Mm. You, the last thing you want to do is get rid of a tumor prematurely. It's got the information you need. Now, that's not, you can't say that in a clinical setting. Mm. But the healing technique does, is not a psychokinetic effect where it's mind over matter and I'm going to bend nature to my incredibly powerful will. It's, boy, this is interesting to watch. And, and all healing is way past my pay grade. You know, I can't figure it out. I, can't, I couldn't orchestrate this. So again, this goes to the same theme. Your little conscious mind is going to orchestrate all this stuff. Your conscious mind needs to be present. I mean, come on, that's an ego trip. Mm-hmm. Park the ego. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's an interesting phenomenon. Let's watch it happen. It happens. But maybe, maybe healing and killing aren't a great combination. Maybe, maybe that's self-limiting. Maybe it's a real phenomenon. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I got a scroll that's hundreds and hundreds of uh, pages long that is uh, of just things that we need to work out. Again, I, for the umpteenth time, I be careful of people who know the answers. So let's say you can't get a wreck, or you don't have a friend who's willing to rapid image cycle for you, right. can you heal yourself? It's harder because I think healing requires some detachment, and we have a tendency to take ourselves personally. Yeah, and connection, <laughs> and, right? And, and connect. So if I, I, I'm not good at all at putting hands on myself. So if I, if I injure myself, and I, I'm a tennis player, so that means I'm stupid, and I'm also constantly getting injured, because uh, you've got to be an idiot to play tennis. So if I do, I have done this, I've ripped my hamstring. I mean, really ripped it. So to the point where, you know, they say, you're going to maybe be on, in a bad way for a good six months, plus, plus, plus. And if I put my hands around my hamstring, uh, nothing's going to happen, but... Since we can store healing, it turns out I can treat a piece of cotton. And holding that piece of cotton cycle and then put the cotton on my hamstring, and, and this actually happened. So instead of starting physical therapy in six months, I played in the tournament in five weeks. This is crazy. Yeah. Well, the point is I won the tournament. Uh, this, you know, yeah, I mean, you're not thinking like a guy. Uh, so... <laughs> We're not normal, you know. So I, I didn't miss any stage of healing. I just go through it faster. Got it. So was I cycling to win the tournament? Yes. 
I got to take it off the list when I do. But if I put my hands on, you know, no, it hurts. You know, I can't because now, you know, I'm taking the pain personally. Mm-hmm. But if I'm holding a piece of cotton, you know, and, and people have done the same. Water is a great medium. So we, we take water. We've had, I mean, we fixed, for example, something that has to be systemic. Leukemia responds really easy to, to, to charge water. Um, colitis, because uh, you just drink the water. You, know. you put the healing, uh, someone who's rapid, doing well, rapid image here. cycling. I'm doing it now. It's pretty exotic, you know. <laughs> who Wait. gets the water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Do you no. get it, Lauren, yeah, or yeah, do yeah. I get it? So, so, so now, you know, it, it's, it becomes, it's sacred. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy talk. I know. It's, you know, it's only healing for crying out loud, relax. Oh, so God. can you do yourself? Yes, it's hard because it's, it's just hard. If I had a serious condition, I wouldn't rely on me. So what's your, so if someone has a diagnosis and they really want to be healed, yeah. what's, do they go f- find a friend and teach, make them well, I, become I, a rapid cycle? It cycling? depends. And it, it, since yesterday, I've had several of those, yeah. you know, I, I get a whole lot of these regularly. I have, I have a, a list of practitioners because I spend most of my time hanging out in labs I have a list of practitioners who I'm sure are better than me. I'm not a natural clinician. And they take human patients. I'll do the rodents. Uh, they, they take the human patients, uh, and they use my techniques, and they've, I don't have any good data on that, you know, that would satisfy me because I don't real. there's a file drawer problem with people. They disappear. You know, who knows what actually happens to them and what happens 20 years later. You know, I, 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 I yeah. know my secured for life. I, I don't know of a recurrence of an individual, but I, there, there's guys who allege to me, I'm skeptical, but they allege to me since I've started sending, you know, they, they've done more than 100 cancer patients. Hmm. You, meant, you said something when I saw it, when you presented that I thought was really interesting too, where you said that the speed of the healing is sort of equivalent to the speed of the cancer. Or the disease? Yeah, it's related to the speed. I don't know if it's equivalent. The more aggressive the cancer, the easier it is to fix. Mm. There are horrible cancers to treat, uh, like prostate, the slow-growing prostate cancer. It comes limping in, you know, and, and so you, go, you get diagnosed with prostate cancer, and they'll say, come back in 20 years, we'll see how it's going, you know, and 20 years later they go, oh, it's going okay. Come back in another 20. Well, that, that doesn't have a lot of energy in it. And I think the energy comes from the condition, not the healer. Mm. And so you have not much juice to work with if you've got a slow-growing prostate. If you've got some really seriously aggressive brain cancer, you've got something to work with. You've got a seriously stage 4 pancreatic. You've got something to work with. Those go away pretty quick. Mm. It seems, I, I, I don't know, but it seems like maybe the immune the 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 new cancer treatments that we have that require you know that are boosting the immune system it yeah. almost seems like there is is there a parallel like that's essentially there might there might be and the the uh, immunotherapy is what you're you're talking yeah. about and the patterns that you get in mice for example are pretty similar when you give an uh, immunotherapy intervention instead of shrinking everything sometimes things look a lot worse before stuff implodes. And it, it, it's possible. We, we're doing a whole bunch of genomic studies right now uh, on the effect of healing on cancer cells 
in vitro and also the effect of healing on cancer cells in vivo. And what's happening, you know, we're starting to get to it. So we, we, we just published a paper in a biology journal. We looked at 167 different genes related to cancer, uh, and we have consistent 68 genes change. Hmm. Now, the interesting part is not only do they change, they'll change if you put your hands around mice or cancer cells or whatever it might be, but we can also record the intention to heal, and the, re the playback of the recording will also reproduce that. Mm. And so now what I'm trying to do, because there's an inexhaustible supply of people in pain, you know, there's no way that no matter how many workshops I give, I'm going to get to everybody. How do I scale it? And so now what I'm working on is a global scale intervention. So, so it'd be it, it in for, sound yeah, or in it's, vibration, it's, 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 yeah. kind of? Sort of. Not really, because the, the, <laughs> the, vibratory, the vibratory pattern... Uh, it can't, it, you can't account for it by normal electrical engineering properties. So we, we stick, uh, we get really fancy high-end uh, uh, Faraday cages, and we put all sorts of fancy detectors in there. We last one we did 38 different detectors in there because we don't know what we're detecting. And then the playback of this thing produces significant reliable changes. What I'm testing, hopefully in the next couple of months, is whether or not this will reproduce a cancer cure. And if it does, like, let's upload it. Take it. Take it if you want it. I mean, that's the cr it's so crazy. But that's what kind of makes it seem credible. Well, I don't know <laughs> if it's credible. It's, uh, so far, the indications are going that it, it, it's suggestive. Yeah. You know, again, I'm skeptical. I only have seven replications. <laughs> and not enough for me because this is too big. So we'll see. You know, it's, it's good poking. I, I can guarantee you that no matter what I just said, the world will not come out the way I exactly just said. You know, there'll be surprises. And that's mm -hmm. the fun of research. Find out you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, that was inter it's more interesting than my ideas. You know, uh, let's, let's see where it takes. Maybe we can make a scalable intervention. And in which case, there's some things we're, we're pretty good at. We're really good at Alzheimer's. You know, that go, we take the crap off the brain. You know, pretty quickly, you're left with whatever you have left, <laughs> and so it's 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 not age-related dementia that we're 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 getting rid of stuff. We're getting rid of inflammation. We have a whole series of inflammation studies. I think I think cycling could be inflammation's greatest hits. Mm. You know, it's it really works. God, that's so wild. I mean, what do you think? What do you think is causing the that inflammation to start? Like, do you think that we're I don't know, not to get poetic, but this idea that, and I know rapid cycling, as you say, is a gimmick, it's just a method, but this idea of extreme selfishness, which I think we've all, so many of us have been cautioned against, right? It's like a materialist, consumerist nightmare to make a list of 20 completely silly, not silly, again, see, there, there's so much judgment on it, right? Yeah. But that that, somehow that focus on what you want creates that's the mechanism yeah it feels very poetic that that's the mechanism for well if you're healing someone i hope it's a selfish act mm. otherwise you're going to have resentment and and this that i mean then there's a there's a somebody's tallying you know some check sheet who owes who what I mean that's crazy talk. If if you if, if someone comes in with a 
X condition. I think it's an algebraic disease. So someone comes in with X condition and you do whatever and, and they get better. In my screwed up way of thinking, I think you should thank them. Hmm. If you didn't want to heal, you shouldn't be doing it. And if they're, if you want to heal and they give you the ability to get what you want, who owes who? Yeah. You know, that's a mutual exploitation relationship. That's perfect. Yeah. If everybody would just maximally exploit each other to maximum selfishness, you talk about happiness abounding. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you hurt someone, but stop being selfless. Then you get resentful. What? But what do you think is what do you think creates disease? Oh, you're, <laughs> thank you for the compliment, love. I could even <laughs> weigh in on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think it's, way past my pay rate? Yeah. Do you have any any crazy theories? Uh, the the source of disease. I I mean I I'm a statistician, so I I can speak in terms of just probabilistic outcomes, you know, but. No, I, I don't think that there's any, any simple X causes Y conditions. There's very few of those things out in the world anyway. I yeah. think what you have is layered probability waves is what you're really talking about. But that's, that's another couple hours. Yeah, I don't know what that means. But it's why, I don't know. I think it's, I think that it's very human, right, to want to attach meaning to disease creation, disease curing, to these things that happen to us. Like, we all want certainty. We all want to understand why, right? Yeah. And That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I have no illusion that my understanding of why is related to the production of X. Mm. And I don't think I need to understand anything in order to do anything else in the same way that you don't understand how you walk. You just walk. Yeah. Walking was too complex a phenomenon to model. It would blow out any supercomputer. And that's why you see robots looking funny. But you can do it, and a little kid can do it, and because, you know. So we're walking miracles. Because we're walking. It's, that's a miracle. It is a miracle. That you're standing on these two little stubs, and you can run and change direction is at least as interesting as healing. And, and so if you're talking sacred, pay attention to the sacredness. It's pretty interesting out there. Where do you think the information packets come from? Like, do you have a sense of the order of the universe? Like, do you? Heavens, no. No? Heavens, no. No. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. It's, for me, fun to play and see what we can find. Uh, but where the information packets come from, uh, that it is an information packet, how it gets from here to there. We could talk about carrier waves and all this stuff, but uh, that's... that's mental gymnastics because if I do a healing from here to Australia and someone's sitting in one chair and they get fixed and the person sitting in the next chair doesn't get fixed, what in heaven's name could reach from here to Australia, A, and secondly hit that target and miss the other target? Mm-hmm. You know, so we can talk carrier waves and resonances and all you want, but we're just playing with ideas. And let's take a step back and go, you don't have a clue, and nor do I. Do you think that science, the system of science, science at the capital S, what you do in labs, like, do you think at some point, like, maybe we lack the language or the tools or the understanding at some point, but do you think in the future we'll look back and be like, duh, like... yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I don't think it's going to come from data. I think it's going to come from a conceptual shift 
into something I can't, I mean, right now I don't have the tools, but I worked for, on a particular problem uh, for 20 years, literally 20 years. I didn't get a single hypothesis right, which means I don't know what I'm talking about. But as you know, I'm comfortable with that. So I, I, I didn't get it. And then one day I literally bolted out of bed and ran around the house manically going, I, I understand it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I was saying because eventually it, it had to come spilling out. Uh, but this had to do with the idea of resonant bonding and, and connection of physically separate groups. And then I understood that I understood placebos. And then I understood that I understood, you know, a number of things uh, in a gross descriptive way. But it came not from the accumulation of data. It came from a sudden conceptual shift into a way of uh, trying to make sense of the world. And I don't have it. I, I just, and I don't know anybody who has it. What, yeah. I, what I run into are people who think they have it. And they're the ones who scare me. Mm. Because I, when I'm when I'm speaking to you, I have a, a, a schizophrenic head going on. I have a little birdie in there giving me counter hypotheses, explaining to me why I'm full of it. <laughs> and my, you're rapidly cycling. You're and I'm very rapidly busy. Cycling. Yeah, yeah, I'm very busy, and so I. You, you know, have, I have my permission to heal me, by I, the way. I have a, I have a little <laughs> humble meter going. You know, <laughs> you know, schmuck. <laughs> let, let me tear apart your ideas, and and so that's okay because I don't want to get latched on to something and then try to defend it because yeah. the reality is. There's something out there. It's pretty simple. I'm reasonably confident it's simple, and we've made life too hard. Mm. And I just don't see it because I can't see through the haze of all the interpretations that have been thrust on me. Say, explain your theory of placebo, because I thought this was also really interesting. And placebo, obviously, is powerful, right? It's the standard by which all medicines need to prove themselves, and it's... Also, I think people assume it's a sign of gullibility, right? Like you get the placebo and you get better, you're an idiot. But it's powerful. What is it? What's your theory of the placebo? I think placebos actually, there may be some psychological part in there. I've designed a sequence of studies that'll, that can actually parse that out. I haven't done it yet. That I, I don't think it's psychological primarily. I think it's more of a group bonding phenomenon that if I have a bunch of mice that have been raised together and lived together and shipped together and everything else together, and I split them up into spatially separate groups and I give a treatment to one, I think I'm giving a treatment to all. Mm. And so it's this idea of resonant connection. Everybody understands resonant connection. They've experienced it. So, so Monday you, you love your dog and Tuesday you hate your dog. Now, it's the same dog. Mm-hmm. It can't be the dog. It's the connection. So I love my dog. I hate my dog. I love so-and-so. I hate so-and-so. It's, it's, and so we're vacillate all over the place. Love, hate, and, and it's that, that sense of connection. The question is, what are the consequences of connection? And I think one of the consequences of connection is the sharing of information. If we are coupled, we can share information, and then I can help you. Rapid image cycling, for reasons I don't understand, seems to help make a connection. And then I can offer you help. You can take it or not take it, but I can offer you help. This idea of connection. So I think what placebos actually are is a connection to a non-physically present group. But I think that's as real as being hooked up to wires. Mm. So I can show brains going into phase locking at a distance. That's connection. If I poke 
a connected couple, the second unit jumps. If I give you a drug test and I'm in the placebo group and we're connected, I'm actually taking the drug, mm. which is why placebos are directly proportional to the strength of the stimulus. It's not placebo or no placebo. If I give you X drug, X dose, you get X placebo effect. If I give you 2X, you double proportionally. Mm. Then that's reasonably interesting. Explain that psychologically. Right. You're not going to do it. So the question becomes, what are the rules, using rules very loosely, what are the rules of bonding and unbonding? Because connections, I love my dog, can become disconnections, I hate my dog, in anything. Yeah. I remember I interviewed this Dr. Zach Bush, who is focused on regenerative farming. He's a triple board certified doctor, and he looked at cancer, and he said something that stuck with me. He did palliative care, lots of really, and he was a cancer researcher. And he was like, ultimately, you know, he sort of traces the disconnection from, you know, our disconnection to the earth, planet, soil. Soil is obviously a huge focus, but he's like, but when you look at cancer cells, they're lonely. Yeah. It's like they are lonely yeah. and it is just a lack of connection. Yeah. And there, there, there are theories on, to that effect and, and in terms of how, how does your body communicate and know how to make a whole? You know, if you want to drive a biologist out of the room screaming, say, I'm going to scrape some cells onto the floor, and what happens, your hand starts to regenerate the cells and stops when it has enough cells regenerated. How does that work? Well, if you read the textbooks, this gets stimulated, that happens, but it doesn't explain how it goes back to the same shape, mm -hmm. how you get the form and how it knows when to stop. And the only way to make sense of that conceptually is that your cells are in communication with other cells. But when my hand regenerates the fallen cells, it stops. Cancer doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. I think it's lonely. Mm -hmm. And I think it doesn't know where it's at. Now, the, the traditional approach, if you have lonely people, is you bomb the hell out of them. You know, that's our approach to them. Let's, let's kill the lonely people. I, I think healing is love. Mm. In other words, come on, play with us. And the body will take care of itself. You know, park your ego. You don't know what to do. Just invite everybody in mm. and let na nature take its course. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Bill Bankston. For more on his work, head to bankstonresearch.com. That's B-E-N-G-S-T-O-N. Make sure to check out a copy of his book, The Energy Cure. You can also listen to Hands on Healing. And then he conducts workshops all over the world. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast. <laughs>